Hi everyone, it's Joachim Akren, your host of the Elite Game Developers Podcast, a podcast about the entrepreneurs and investors who are building the games companies of the future. Today I'm talking with Anna Sperling, the co-founder and CEO of Toya, a Roblox game studio based out of Israel. Anat and her team started building games for UGC platforms in 2016, first on Minecraft before moving fully over to Roblox. Anat's company Toya is a female-led studio developing digital games and media to empower a growing female user base. Before we get into the conversation with Anat, here's a few words from our sponsors. Hey, game developer. Are you looking for great new authentic video creatives? Try something totally new with influencer-generated content, IGC, by Opera Event. Influencers and actors will make specific creative content for your games. An Opera Event will deliver you high-quality video ads that highlight the best parts of your game. Get a free video with a purchase of four or more videos. Remember to say that Elite Game Developers sent you to claim your free video. Go to getigc.com to see some examples and get more information. That's getigc.com. All the developers out there that are looking for an easy game server auto-scaling solution should definitely check out GameEye. Choosing GameEye means choosing your players, as GameEye is a platform-independent solution. Game sessions are spread out over multiple providers to ensure redundancy and to achieve the best possible coverage in every region of the world. GameEye is your one-stop shop for all your server orchestration needs. They have many integrations already in place, ready to go. You also can connect to your favorite matchmaker, anti-cheat solution or network optimization tool to their orchestrator and start running game sessions. They provide the APIs for this. Take advantage of automated capacity management and always have resources to run game sessions. Scale when you need it in locations close to your players. Check out GameEye.com, that's GameYE.com, to see what they're up to and to connect with them. All right, we're live. Hi, Anat, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for inviting me. It's great. We're going to talk about so many interesting topics today. I think Roblox as a platform is something that... A lot of people are wondering what it is like to make games for that platform. And me especially, who I've been playing some games there, but I don't really have much understanding about the inner workings of how you make success on Roblox. So it's going to be a lot of fun talking that today with you. The first question I wanted to ask you about is like, just to go back a bit in time and explore how you got into gaming and eventually to start making games for Roblox? So seeing myself as a storyteller, my background is film and television. And so I was a filmmaker in Israel. 
for many years. And in 2004, I established Israel Women's Film Festival and the Women in the Picture Association in order to change the representation of women filmmakers in my country. And I thought that, you know, creating a platform, women can present their perspective through films, can make a change, not just in representation, but also affecting social patterns. In the times where you could go to the cinema, now with COVID, it's a bit different, but back in the Mm. time where you can go to cinema and sit and, you know, watch a film in the dark and, you know, identify, familiarize with the heroes and... So the effect is amazing. But, you know, after doing that for more than a decade and the festival was very successful and it actually changed the representation of women filmmakers in my country from 3% to almost 30% nowadays with budgets accordingly from the government. So like a very meaningful shift. But to me, it was, okay, what if we really want to change social patterns? We have to go back to childhood. And I had to question myself, you know, if film was the best practice to do so. And I had to acknowledge that it was not any longer the best practice. And I started to look at video games as a storyteller. And it became very apparent to me that um, if I want to really be a part of, you know, the movement that is aspiring to change a representation and strive for equality, then video games would be the best place really to tell a story. And this is how Toya came about. And in 2016, we started Toya. It's a female-led, female-founded gaming studio based in Tel Aviv. But we have women working with us from all across Europe. It's a very diverse gaming studio. And for me, it was, okay, let's see what would be best for Toya, how and where should we tell the stories. And in 2016, we were starting to look at the UGC. It's a user-generated content platform, the creator's economy. And we decided we were going to choose this pattern as a strategy and not go and develop a mobile game because uh, it felt that we would need a substantial amount of capital in order you know, to create brand awareness and traffic. So to us, it was, okay, let's see what young people are creating on this platform. Let's figure out what is it that is so captivating and how we can be a part of what may be a shift in the games industry. So this is the beginning what you just talked about there, like going into gaming, like motivations to start building games. And you felt that it was a medium of change versus what I think a lot of people go after doing games because they themselves are consumers of certain games. It's very fascinating and admirable. Like how have you grown the team actually with like having this kind of purpose of using games as a medium for change. Has that been a good way for you to to reach out and find more people to join the team and the cause? Well, when we just were starting with Minecraft, it was about, okay, so who are we going to work with? Who's going to help us tell the stories we came to tell? And the answer was young people. Let's go Mm -hmm. out and find young people uh, who were, you know, avid 
gamers of Minecraft and are now developing Minecraft games. Let's partner with them. Let's bring them on board. And we actually started like a, it was like a steering committee where very young people who were like 13, 14, 15 years old were coming to the studio. And I was sitting with them. And for instance, when we did My Gorilla Adventure, it's a game that revolves around Diane Fassi, who is a gorilla researcher, very well-known one. And so we're not doing an educational game or a didactic game. It was like doing a Minecraft game that is like a lot of fun and entertaining, but also yeah. introducing, you know, female protagonists and a more of an equal realm, I would say. And so sitting with them in the room and, and sharing the story of, you know, what we had in mind and envision, and then translating that into the mechanism and the gameplay of Minecraft was like massaging the story in a Minecraft sort of way. And this yeah. is how the process started. And for me, coming from the film industry, I always think and see the world through images, not words, mm. never. This is why I also like video games so much, because I feel that it really captures a lot in a very smart way of what film and books are trying to achieve. But it's much more fun. So, you know, working with those very young people, there were like girls and boys in the team. We started creating the games and, you know, a new language came about. And then what happened as a result is that, you know, the Minecraft management was overwhelmed when we shipped them the first game of My Gorilla Adventure. They were actually contacting us yeah. saying, wow, this is so unique. What? Because what? we were starting, you know, we, we started scripting and we used voice actresses. So there was a lot of new things coming into the Minecraft traditional gameplay. And it was like exciting and, and new and unique and authentic. And it was also in an environment that has the tolerance for experimentation because it's not about the traditional game industry. It's about the creators. It's about the democratization of play. So I always feel like there's a lot of endorsement and patience and willingness to accept new forms of play. You do not have yeah. to stick to everything that was done before. You can really reinvent and experiment with the form. And this is why I like it. I like the creator's economy so much as well, by the way. I totally agree that sort of Minecraft was the first true sandbox over the internet where people can get all sorts of experiences. It's basically unlimited. How did you go from there to actually start working on Roblox? Like, did you build your own games? Did you outsource them? What, what was the sort of the approach there? When we started uh, doing Roblox, this was like 2019. It was like a completely different product to create because the Minecraft marketplace was about premium product. Mm. And here it was like a free-to-play with in-app purchases. And there was a new team that has to be built in order to address that. But being already like, you know, a UGC pioneer with a, an extensive learning curve, it was very obvious to me that in this case, it would need to be like a combination, just like what we did with Minecraft, by the way, of a professional gaming executives and veterans, media like myself. And Roblox 
hackers, Roblox developers, you know, that yeah. grew as gamers and became developers like artists and, you know, everyone. And this is the team. The team of Toya is you would have like 20 to 50 year old people, women, men from Israel, but also from all across Europe and the States. And so there's a lot of the discussion you have. Uh, the internal discussion is always so intriguing. It's always so un you cannot foresee what is going to be said in this or that brainstorm meeting because the perspectives are so different. So right. everyone brings something from their own world to the table when talking about the experience we want to create on the platform. How intentional was that early on when you started building Toya and the team to have this diverse set of people in the room? For me, as a women's rights activist and a feminist, it's impossible not to have a diverse team. I've always had a diverse team with Israel Women's Film Festival and also with Toya. I feel that the business opportunity is better addressed when you have a diverse team, by the way, because yes. you can really think about, okay, you have the studio. So who's sitting around the table in the studio and thinking about the end user, who would be the end user for you? Who would be the end user for me? I mostly imagine girls as the end user, but some yeah. of the team members would always imagine boys as the end user. And that's a fact. Now, when building for both, this is a perspective that would serve them equally because the discussion becomes, okay, this is my perspective on this. They would say, okay, but what if we add this? And I would say, Okay, but we're missing this. And so then, you know, it's practically the evolution of creating a more equal realm, I would say. And for me, it's like on Roblox, I want to create an, an inclusive hit. This is what I'm in for, really. But in a unique and genuine way, not with like formulas. I'm not interested in formulas at all. I'm much more interested in experimenting and uh, assembling something that is new, that was not done before. The whole process there for Roblox when you're making games, can you talk about what Roblox and what the developers might not out there know about the audience and what kind of games have you seen that work on Roblox? So it's not just about having a diverse team, professionals and, you know, Roblox developers it's also about having a feeling the pulse of the community as you come to create a new experience and we address it in in a couple of uh, ways one is we have a discord channel with a lot hundreds of more than probably a thousand uh, kids girls and boys that are playing roblox and are play testing on a weekly base any feature any character anything we develop or even thinking about. So now, for instance, we're thinking about adding in the next update of our farming game, we would like to add pets. So going and talking to them about what do they think we need pets? What, how would they want to play with them? What would they do with them? Would they help them on the farm? Would they want to walk with them? Is it for vanity? Would they want to walk and you know, visit their farming neighbor and so what is it exactly that would make it fun for them is it something they want and so forth 
So our community manager would be, you know, talking to them while playing the game, and there would be a lot contributed in the process. We do the same with another game we're developing now called Miraculous Ladybug, based on the very popular TV series. So we also have a lot of kids who are, you know, playing Roblox, but also follow the series, because like mm -hmm. fans. And so it's about, okay, how do you maintain what they love and follow in this series when it comes to a Roblox game? What is the must-have? And what are the things that a game can bring that you do not have on the actual you know, TV series? And I feel that the community is the best place to ask and raise questions if you really want to hear the answers. So I always want to hear the answers because for me, young people always come up with the most exciting, raw, genuine answers. It's just about listening and wanting them to be involved in the process. And I always want that. So this is one thing we do. The other thing we do in the team is play together. We have a play together session time every week where everyone hops in from all over the world. And each time each member can, you know, offer this or that game that they came across. Some are just emerging, just starting, but they seem intriguing. And as Roblox keeps on evolving and changing all the time, then feeling the pulse of the community is also playing the games that the community creates. And so last week, for instance, Lewis came up with the idea to go and play a golf game on Roblox. And I was like, really? There's a golf game? Okay, let's yeah. go and try it. And we couldn't stop. We opened the private server and we're like playing for, I don't know, more than an hour. We just couldn't stop. It was funny. And we're talking as we were playing and a lot of comments and then feedback and thinking about mechanics in our own games and how we should implement this or that and why this is so smart and how they tackle that. And we do it on a regular base, not just as a mean of learning, but also working remotely. This is something that helps us feel like we are part of the same thing, working for the same goal. So if you think about that, like teamwork there, you are building games that operate a bit differently from mobile or a lot differently. Um, how do you actually then take those learnings that you hear from the audience and take those into game development? Is there like anything you can share on that side? I feel that the intersection of play and socializing is ever-changing with the interpretation you get on Roblox. Let's say if you go and play Brookhaven, so it's like a role-play game in Brookhaven, which is like a suburbia in the U.S. Mm. And you can, you know, choose your avatar and, and pretend you're a policewoman or you're riding a horse or you can do a party in your house and so forth. But there isn't anything linear. You don't need to actually do anything. So every time someone, you know, from the games industry, a professional, hops into the game and I'm talking to him or her, they're like, so what do you do here? What is it? Yeah. But, and they're like 400,000 concurrent players at the moment, okay? So there's a lot of people in, in this game playing. So there is something to be done here if all of this, you know, young people wants to be in and play. So mm. what is it exactly that they're after? And what makes them so engaged? 
is it the fact that no one is telling them they need to do this or that they can choose and then they just go with their friends after school and they are throwing a party here and then you found yourself in a graveyard and you fall into mm. a pit and you're you're like with like 10 people in the pit and they started to talk and everyone's jumping on your head and then you go out and you go to the supermarket and there's a robbery so everything is random and This is the setup that I guess suits best young people after school who wants to talk to their friends and about their everyday life and play and hang out. And so this is the answer. This is my answer. For me, it's like, okay, so how do you translate this sense of freedom into other games you're creating? So with my farm, it was about, okay, A farming game is not a, you know necessarily a game where you socialize you have your own farm right it's a more of a single play so how do you address that because if they're coming with their friends and they also have a farm so what are you gonna do well you're gonna do a party so what's gonna be in the party in your farm let's host a party what's this party gonna be like so let's run after chickens and color them let's see okay so you can choose or you want to be the green okay you can be the green ah you're coming with your friends so everyone's green okay, I'm going to be the pink. And it's like hilarious because you're starting to run and you're talking to, and you see them on the chat, everyone's writing. <laughs> and yeah. it's like funny. And then after a minute or two, okay, it's done and over and you get your golden egg because you participated and you go back to your farm. And then like two minutes later, there's someone hosting a treasure hunt party in there. So it's like interacting, but you can also, if you don't feel like you can refuse, you don't have to go, you can, you know, harvest, grow your animal, whatever, your stock, you're allowed to do whatever you want to do. To that extent, you don't need to accomplish anything you do not wish to accomplish. It's for you to decide. I think that sounds like what I've imagined as well. Roblox being a lot like is this kind of like sandbox where you just have fun with your friends and you discover things and And thinking about the, the whole Roblox as an opportunity for a business uh, where like, you know, you have venture capital investors on board, whatnot, which is like a, in free to play, investors always say that there's a, you know, is the CAC versus LTV is good enough. There's a market to build like a venture scale business. But how do you compare that Roblox opportunity to something like mobile uh, since The rev share is a lot smaller on Roblox. When do you think that the experienced game studios will be coming up into to Roblox? So first, I think, you know, you yourself as a gaming veteran must remember that when mobile was just starting, people were saying the same thing. Is there an opportunity here? What is it exactly about? I'm not sure there is an opportunity here. I don't know if it can really become big enough. And so 15 years later, wow, this is huge, right? Yeah. For me, yeah, this is like, like mobile all over again. Yeah. I sort of like reflect back to the Facebook canvas days, 2007, when it also felt like, so I, I was a big believer, but then a lot of people weren't that strong on Facebook and then it blew up really big. And of course, mobile took sort of like over that space, but I feel... Like 
the big thing about Roblox personally for me is that that audience is there uh, to stay on these kind of virtual worlds now. And it's more possible than ever with like, you can go on, on Roblox with so many different platforms. It's not constrained to a desktop or a laptop. It's on mobile. It's everywhere. So yeah, I'm, I'm a total like big believer as well on this platform. But I'm, I'm sort of like curious about what Roblox is now going to do with the IPO and these changes to actually seek out to have more developers on the platform. What do you think? I think it's just the tip of the iceberg, really. I feel that yeah. it's going to grow. And even if you look back five years, you know, not more than that, you see the exponential growth of this platform. It's amazing. And I think that now it's going to grow even bigger because more players would join from Europe and Asia that are not on the platform yet. And until now, there were like relatively young people. What if, you know, the platform mature and older people would step in and play? So I think there's a lot of potential here, but it's also revolving around the type of experiences we as creators would be able to create with the tools given to us. Meaning I'm fascinated by the live music concerts because I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, wow, this is the next step of listening to music, hanging out, playing if I want to, not playing if I don't want to. And what if this realm even evolves further and the visuals I can be presented with would be so mind-blowing that it would be almost like living in a video clip. Would that be possible in Roblox? If so, I'm in. And I'm like yeah. older than 20-year-olds at the moment and probably forever. So for me, it's like, okay, what's going on here? This is fascinating. I want to stick around. I want to stay. I want to learn more about it. And I'm sure that you know, once the platform matures even further, there would be 20-plus-year-olds coming in and the millions. So this is one thing. And also going back to what you've asked me about, you know, splitting uh, the revenues with Roblox. And so for me, you know, the mobile also takes like 30% from the revenues, right? And you probably spend 30 to 40% more on marketing, right? On the platform, because it's like really expensive. Well, here it's not. So this is something that as developers, you know, you get from the platform. The marketing is a part of the deal, the servers hosting the lot. So hmm. for me, it's like, okay, what do we need to do? We need to create really engaging experiences. It's true that 30% is not a lot, but I do think that because of the organic exposure and how big this is going to be it already is but going to be much much bigger then the traffic would increase a monetization as well and there would be ips that would be worth billions on this platform and over the next decade in my mind like new companies supercell and king would start would become you we will see them creating on this platform yes for sure yeah I think the platform, why I love Roblox as a platform a lot is that their agenda is to serve 
people who are playing games and make the best gaming experiences for people. But when you look at the mobile platform provider, their agenda is sort of like selling devices and they don't have a major agenda to actually push gaming forward and what is good for the games on our platform. Um, so, yeah, that's one reason why Roblox is very different from mobile. Very different. And I so agree with what you're saying. You know, I, I feel that Dave Bazuki and his amazing team, and they are amazing, they really successfully held on to their dreams and values. Korva, it's not an easy thing. You know that. It's almost close to impossible to become that big without losing some of your core values. Well, they haven't yeah. lost any of them. They're maintaining that. And it's like so precious. It's like gold to me because there's a lot of pressure from advertisement and you can make a lot more money and, you know, mm. but they're very successfully holding everything they created and keeping it safe, not just, you know, for the creators, also for the players. It's yep. like a really clean environment where what counts is games, nothing else. This is the only thing that matters. And this is also a part of the reason why this is a real democratization of play. It's not about who you know. It's about your KPIs and the endorsement of the community. So if the community likes what you're doing, the algorithm of Roblox would pick you up. And this is how you get endorsement and featured. So I, I feel that, you know, this is like giving you a real opportunity as developer. This is where you get it here. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the recruiting talent for your game development teams. Like, how do you feel about recruiting teams from within Roblox, people who have like these hackers that you mentioned, versus like the outsiders who are more into like mobile development, maybe doing Unity stuff like that? So, some studios only hire from that existing pool of Roblox talents, which is sort of very small still at this stage so can these outsiders also pick up the platform what do you think like quickly enough to learn lua go in and or is it like it's too tough for them what do you think um i think it's really easy and straightforward personally i intend to maintain a balance between the roblox hackers and you know professionals from the games industry this is what we do at the moment we have both and developers who came from Unity or whatever, it was like an, an easy process, very straightforward. And so they started developing. After a month, they were like, okay, they got it. And we're also being approached, you know, by the community. So in Roblox, you have the dev forum. And there's a lot that can be shared and explored in there. So developers are talking all the time, sharing and Sometimes we are also being approached, you know, by people that want to come and work with us. And so we hire. Some of them we hire through that, you know, people that are reaching out. We Also, we're posting job description there. There's a position we're looking to hire. We also post in the dev forum. And I think that the combination has to be like professional from the games industry, but also the community. Yes. Yeah, makes sense. I believe that balance you're talking about between having the hackers and the traditional game developers. Yes. 50-50 split is really good. I, we had a similar 
I think it was very unintended, but it really turned out well at Next Games in my previous company where we started off hiring after our Series A round. And we actually, I, I think, got a really good balance of people who were of that mobile generation. And then the rest were more like seniors who've been in PC and console development. So it was like a really good mix of views on like what are good games. Yeah, so I think that there's a lot that can be learned from Roblox hackers, and there's a lot that can be learned, you know, from professional, traditional professional, and also the conversation between them is fascinating because mm. there's a lot of information that is, you yeah. know, being crossed and this, yeah, everyday work process for sure. Yes, that is cool. So think about the platform of Roblox. What do you think they could do? or make things better for developers at where they are currently and what is sort of like lacking on the platform? What do you think? We are all anticipating the release of a video and voice. I think that this can be a really dramatic shift for yeah. the next phase of the platform. I know it's tricky. I know it's difficult. But once we're also able to, you know, implement video and the community is able to use voice while playing, not just the chat, it can be mind-blowing, really, because so much potential is laid in there. Because it's not just about the games you develop, it's also about playing Roblox and using your voice or someone else's voice, whatever, any kind of voice to share your thoughts and have a conversation so it's tricky there's a lot that need to be moderated but with the chat Roblox is doing a fantastic job really it's like so mm. well it's protected it's moderated to me it feels like very safe not just as a game developer also as a mother I trust that the kids playing Roblox are not it, it's like almost impossible I think to be bullied or harassed or anything of that sort through this chat. It's really close to impossible. They've done an amazing job. So I'm sure they will. Once the voice is out, I'm sure it would be the same. And we need just to be patient about it until they have it, you know, all well <laughs> prepared and ready for us to use in a safe way. Yeah, that's again the positive thing about a big publicly listed company that has the gamers sort of like best intentions in mind. So it's... Yes. It's really good. Yeah. And I think that the IPO would push it even further, you know? Yeah, for sure. This is an interesting topic that you already talked a bit about, the, the marketing side of gaming. Like, how would you compare user acquisition with Roblox to mobile games, which are on the App Store, but a lot of the distribution apps actually happens through running user acquisition campaigns on Facebook ads, whatnot. So what are the biggest opportunities for developers on Roblox and what can also be these frustrations or challenges? What do you think? So the UA is really, really different when it comes to Roblox. What we do is use the user ads and sponsored ads on the platform. We're entitled to do that as creators and developers. And so we run our own ads on a daily basis, pushing what we want to promote any update or new release or you know, new features, we use the user ads. 
And so it's like really cost effective. So taking into consideration that not everyone is a professional studio backed by venture, but you know, most of them are like really young people that want to mm. promote their games. So for them, Facebook or other means would not be possible. And yeah. I think Roblox has also done a very good job in, in finalizing this to the extent that it would cost almost nothing to have an ad to promote your game. It cannot be compared to the cost per install on mobile. It's impossible to compare that. The other thing yeah. we have been enjoying is we're picked up many times by very big and successful YouTubers who just come and play our games. And as a result, we have a relationship with a lot of them where they do live streams and we create special updates and features or customized items for them in our games. So with Easter, for instance, in my farm, we created special Easter eggs customized for a few influencers that have been, you know, streaming my farm for a while now. And so this is the other way. And I know that we're not the only ones doing that on Roblox. There are a lot, a lot of studios and game developers that are approaching YouTube influencers, doing some content partnership, not mm. paying them, I mean. And as a result, enjoy a very fruitful collaboration. So it's like there's something that is almost it's not naive, it's not even the word, but it's like you don't need all that money in order to create a successful game on the platform, which yeah, is something I, you cannot say on mobile, by the way. Yeah, it is true. In mobile, you have to have this analytical uh, user acquisition approach of CAC to LTV to really start scaling because you can't rely on organics. Um, how do you feel on Roblox? Is the platform developing towards that realm where, mm-hmm. where the analytical user acquisition teams can actually like push apps up to, to be at the top? What do you think? I think you would never be able to buy your way up. I would be surprised if that would happen to that extent. What you are able is to, once you have your game connected to game analytics or any other where you can really measure your KPIs, and then go and and do any iterations or optimization needed, then you can use a relatively small budget UA in order to test that and get thousands or tens of thousands of players into your game in a very cost-effective budget, test it, see if it's worthwhile. If it's working, then the algorithm would pick you up. Roblox algorithm. Then you will be promoted to the upper row. This is how it works. So the system serves you. You are not serving the system. And so to this extent, I feel that Roblox is also adding more and more tools for assessment for you to use in the user ads and sponsored ads. So you can better address that and use the KPIs to the age group or whatever it is that you're after, gender. And so it keeps on improving. And I'm sure they'll add much, much more into that now but it's again it's not about okay give me ten thousand dollars a day to push my game to the upper row this would not help if the kpis are not in place the algorithm would not pick you up so go and improve your game use the user ads that we are enabling you you don't need a lot of budget for that we're supporting you to that extent and then leverage your game yeah it's again going back into a platform that is fully 
made up for gaming where you have discovery that works and the best games win <laughs> sort yeah. of sort of like before we go to the final questions i wanted to ask you like if there is a developer out there who's listening to this podcast and they want to understand learn and maybe get into roblox what do you think they should do first first they should probably play a few games yeah, i would start with that but seriously yeah. just download the Roblox Studio, and there's a lot of tutorials that Roblox supplies. There are also some very cool internship uh, programs, by the way, they're offering. But if you don't have the time for that to apply and so forth, you would find many tutorial videos also on YouTube that would very easily help you start writing the code and doing your games. And don't be afraid. It's easy. It was done so to enable you to go and develop your game. So really, all the tools are out there. They've done a fantastic job with that as well, in my mind, really. That's great. Now for the final questions. What's your favorite book and why? That's a hard one, because for me, it's like there isn't the one book I can recommend. And I'm always like, you know, my mind is always drifting in, in parallel. So I'm reading something and I'm watching something and I'm listening to something. And they're all connected and to some extent, coming from film, as I told you, I, I see the world through images. I always connect between what I read and watch or listen to. And now I'm really caught into Neil Stevenson's Snow Crash because he talks about the metaverse. And, you know, yeah. being a part of the metaverse, I felt like I had to read it. And it's like really fantastic. But in parallel, I'm also listening to the podcast on Carl Jung. It's called the Boyo uh, podcast. I'm also yeah. like captured by a drawing that Isabel Emrich released on her Instagram page. And it's like, it's showing like an image of an underwater woman rising up to breathe. And, and looking at this image, it reflects the feelings that I, I get from reading Snow Crash and listening to the podcast and that delves, you know, into Jung's insights, what is a persona and anima and so forth. But going back to Snow Crash, which I highly recommend, Stevenson wrote about the metaverse in a very chaotic way. I feel that the extraordinary use of a language and slang and, you know, also the hero, the Afro-American half-Japanese hero <laughs> with, with the name of yeah. your protagonist. So he really carved the metaverse through his swords and code and, and allows another look at what seems to me like the future, our future, our children's future, the metaverse. And if you go back to Roblox, I think that the creative process we're all in as developers really lends itself to experimentation and trial and error in a way that I think is like an amazing opportunity to create a more equal, fair world. I think that, you know, Dave Zuki's what he started, uh, we, the community, Roblox community, continue to create and evolve uh, on a daily basis. And I think it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, actually. I feel very, very fortunate to be a part of that, I have to say. Yeah, that is beautiful. Do you have a story that has shaped you in how you approach your work today? I think that, you know, before I started Israel Women's Film Festival, I, I was a young woman in the film industry in Israel. I was really constantly harassed by people from uh, the industry. 
And the festival came about as a bypass to that. It was like a huge problem for me that I really, for a while, didn't know what to do and how to. And we're talking like 20 years ago. Okay. It was not like before Time's Up and other, it was not something people were talking about at all. So, and as a young woman, I felt that I really wanted to create my own things and then be a part of, you know, evolve and grow. But it was very difficult with the glass ceiling and and harassments all Mm. over. And my solution to that was starting Israel Women's Film Festival as a safe platform, I would say, to manifest my inner world and others. And for me, it's like, okay, ever since, what's not working? What do we need to change? How are we going to change it? Okay, so we need to go and do this or that. But uh, let's also have fun while we do that. This is what I'm in for. Creating a change, meaningful one. This is what I'm dedicating my life to. And it also happens to be that it's like a great business opportunity. That's really good. The final question, Anat, I wanted to ask you is, uh, what's the best way for entrepreneurs, people who are interested in Roblox, the best way to get in contact with you and ask questions? So I always encourage people who wants to contact me, just reach me out on LinkedIn. You can find me there very easily. I'm responsive, always happy to answer any question you may have. Really feel super free to reach out. Perfect. This was great, Anat. So happy that you came on the show. Thank you so much for hosting me, really. I enjoyed it so much. Thanks. Thanks. Take care. See you. Bye. Thank bye. you. Bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to the episode. If you're not following or subscribe to the podcast yet, please do so on your favorite podcasting app so that you'll get notified when next week's episode is available. And if you haven't subscribed to our newsletter yet, you should do that at elitegamedevelopers.com slash newsletter, and you'll get our weekly news on Friday mornings on everything regarding gaming startups, financing, M&A, whatnot, my sort of learnings from that space. So check that out. And I'll see you next week again on the podcast. Have a good one. Bye-bye.